This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and truth according to the New Testament. We would love for you to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. One last time I would like to express my thankfulness to you for all your words of encouragement, all your words of kindness, all the hospitality that's been shown the last few days, Um, your careful attention to the things that we've studied from God's Word, um, your commitment to be here in the assembly uh, throughout the course of the meeting. uh, That means a lot to me, and uh, I want to thank you just one last time as we close this meeting for all the encouragement and all the strength that you provided me. And I pray that... uh, I've also helped in some way by using the scriptures to encourage you and build you up and strengthen you in your faith. Tonight I'd like to ask you to follow along on the chart that's been provided. And uh, we'll also have the scriptures uh, provided on the screen behind me as we study together the Christian race. In Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible tells us here in this passage to run with patience the race that is set before us. So it likens the life of a Christian unto a race, and we might simply call that race the Christian race. The Christian race is just like any other race you've ever run or ever been familiar with. It has a starting line, There's a designated track that we have to follow. There's rules you need to follow and obey as we run this race. There's obstacles you need to dodge along the way. And then lastly, there's a finish line and there's a reward for all those who faithfully run this race. And you know, if we want to win that reward, if we want to win the heavenly prize, we need to understand a few things about how to run this race. First thing we need to properly understand is the proper way to enter the Christian race. And having a good understanding of that, we need to know what God tells us in His Word about running the Christian race. And then last but certainly not least, we go to God's Word to find out the proper way to finish the Christian race. Now I'm here to tell you tonight, friends, you will never be successful in entering or running or finishing this race if you don't familiarize yourself with the rules of the race. And the rules of the race are contained right here in God's Word. And so it's going to be our guide tonight as we study these things out. As you can see on the chart, there's a very long list of scriptures on the right-hand side of the chart. We're going to work our way through all those tonight as we study. A person looked at that list once and said, boy, that's a long list. You'd be surprised how quickly that uh, we can work our way down that list and, and study God's Word together tonight. We want to establish everything we teach in the, in the church with a book a chapter, and a verse from God's Word. And I'm going to do my best to, uh, to do just that tonight as we study this race together. Let's start off talking about the proper way to enter the Christian race. 
There's a few things that you must believe and a few things you must do to enter the Christian race. Suppose I decided I wanted to run in the upcoming Summer Olympic Games. I believe the next Summer Olympic Games are going to be held in Tokyo, Japan in the year 2020. Suppose I decided I wanted to run with all those Olympic athletes in that 100-meter dash in the upcoming Olympic Games. Could I just fly to Tokyo in 2020 and just walk into that stadium and when it comes time for them to run that race, could I just walk out there on the track and run beside them? I couldn't do that, could I? I'd have to qualify to run that race. And we do well to ask the question tonight, who is qualified to run the Christian race? I want to tell you something, friends. None of us, none of us by ourselves are qualified to run this race. This is a race for the righteous. This is a race for the holy. This is a race for those who stand justified in the eyes of God. This is not a, a race for sinful, unholy people like you and me. We cannot qualify ourselves from this race because we've got a sin, we've got a sin problem. The Bible says in Isaiah 59 and 2 that our iniquities separate us from God, right? It says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. Sin drives a wedge of separation between us and our holy God. And you know, all your good works that you might try to do, all the self-righteousness that you could muster will never be enough to bridge that gap between you and God caused by sin. At the end of the day, do you know what God sees when He looks down and sees all of our self-righteousness? In Isaiah 64 and 6, it says, All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Filthy rags in the sight of God. So you see, you cannot qualify yourself for this race. I don't care how loving you are. I don't care how generous you are. I don't care how many good deeds you go out and do in the community. You cannot qualify yourself for this race. But the good news is this. You have a mediator who came to take away your sin and thereby bridge that gap between you and God that had been caused by sin. And that mediator was Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You see, we are made righteous. We are made holy. We are deemed justified through faith and obedience to Jesus Christ and His gospel. Jesus is the one who qualifies us to run the Christian race. And He does so when we trust Him and when we obey Him. Jesus qualifies us to run this race. You know, in Hebrews 12 and 2, we read there at the beginning of the sermon that we need to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. There's another passage in the book of Hebrews that talks about Jesus being the author of something. We find that passage over in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, where it says, And being made perfect, He, that's Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey Him. I'm here to tell you tonight there is room for everybody in the Christian race. Everyone who will obey Jesus. There is room for them in this race. There's room in the Christian race for all who will obey Jesus first by believing the gospel preached. And at this point I'd like to direct your attention to the chart to the starting line in the lower center portion of the chart, you see the starting line of the Christian race. And we're going to talk about some ways that we must trust and obey, obey Jesus.
so that he will qualify us and put us into running this race. And the first thing we've got to do there at the starting line, as you see, is we've got to believe. We've got to put our faith in Christ. This was the message of Christ when he came preaching on earth. He said in Mark 1.15, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. You've got to believe the gospel. If you reject the gospel, if you don't put your faith in the gospel, you can't run this race. There's room in the Christian race for all those who obey Jesus by believing the gospel and all those who go on to repent of their sins. You know, it goes back to what we read there in Hebrews 12 and 1 where it says we need to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Right? That's repentance. We need to put sin in our past and and start serving and living for God. And that putting away of sin, that laying aside of sin is a, is a process we call repentance. And you've got to repent to enter the Christian race. There's room in the Christian race for all those who will believe and repent and then all those who will confess their faith in Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 10 verse 32. Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Do you want Jesus to confess your name before the Father who's in heaven? Jesus says, you need to confess me before men. And when you do, I will be happy to confess you before my Father which is in heaven. There's room in the Christian race for all those who will obey Jesus in these ways. Believing in Him, repenting and turning away from sin and turning to God. Confessing our faith in Christ and then lastly being baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We've got to believe if we want salvation. We've got to be baptized as well as Jesus teaches here. We've got to be baptized if we want to enter the Christian race. Jesus saves all of those who hear, believe, and obey the gospel in the way that I've just described it to you and the way you see it there presented at the starting line of the race. And I want you to notice here, it is our obedience to the watery grave of baptism that truly puts us into this race. When we are baptized, the Bible teaches we are placed into Christ. We come into Christ through baptism. Galatians 3.27, look at what it says here. Paul says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. How how do we come into Christ and, and run this race? Paul taught that we need to be baptized into Christ. You need to be running this race in Christ because that's where your soul is safe and that's where your soul is secure in Christ. And the way we come to be in Christ is we are baptized into Christ as the Bible teaches here. You want to be running this race in Christ because that is where there is no condemnation. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You see, when you're running this race in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. But you've got to be running in Christ. How do we come into Christ? It's through baptism. For as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The action of baptism also puts us into Christ's body, the church. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. How do we come into the body of Christ? The Bible teaches here that we're baptized into that body. We're baptized into Jesus' church. And you want to be running this race in Christ's church because that's where salvation is. In the church that Jesus Himself built, 
We read about the establishment of Christ's church back in Acts chapter 2, right? Uh, the day is Pentecost. This is about 50 days after the death of Jesus. He's ascended back to the Father in heaven. He sent the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 upon His apostles and they preached the gospel in Jerusalem, right? Peter told them they needed to repent and be baptized in Acts 2 and 38. And then in Acts 2.41, we read there, it says, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized. A large group of people that day, the Bible says about 3,000, came forward and they were baptized. And at the moment that they were baptized, I want you to notice what the Lord did for them. If we skip on down to verse 47 of the same chapter, Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the very last part of the chapter says this, that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. As people were stepping forward in faith and obedience to the gospel through baptism, the Lord was adding, not only was He giving them salvation, but He was adding them to the church daily. You see how it's the action of baptism that puts us into Christ's church? And that's where you want to be running this race, in Christ and in His church. Now, as simple as it is to enter the Christian race, I want you to notice in the lower left-hand part of your chart something that's very, very sad. Many people linger around the starting line making excuses for not starting the Christian race. Now, I want to talk about some of the excuses that people commonly give today for not stepping out in faith and obedience to Christ and running this race. A lot of people say, well, you know what, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy to obey the Lord. I'm just too busy to, to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. You know, they're sort of like the Roman governor Felix. A lot of people today say, I'll do that later. I'm too busy to do it now. I'll, I'll take care of that later. And that's the attitude that Felix had in Acts chapter 24, verse 24. It says, And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, the Bible says Felix trembled. Felix was moved. He was pricked by the preaching of the gospel. But I want you to look at his response here. He answered Paul and he said, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, he says, I will call for thee. Now the Bible never tells us whether or not Felix found that more convenient time in his life to become a Christian. And it's a shame that he put off something so serious as the salvation of his soul. But a lot of people today, folks, go to their grave giving this same old excuse. Too busy. Too busy to take a few moments out of their schedules to make preparations for an unending eternity. Too busy. A lot of people say, well, you know, I, ought, I, I know I ought to run the Christian race. I know I ought to start the race, but I'm just not sure I can finish. And I don't want to start something that I can't finish. I've heard that from people. And you know, on the surface, it sounds kind of noble, yeah? You know, Daddy always taught me, don't start something you can't finish. A lot of people approach that when it comes to their soul and their salvation. I know what I need to do, but I'm just not sure. I don't know if I can finish that race if I, if I start it. I want to tell you something about this race. It's not an easy race to run. It's not an easy race to run. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations that you have to endure. Can you finish the race? Listen, 
How will you know if you never try? How will you know? One thing's for sure, you don't have a chance to finish the race. You don't have a chance to get the reward if you don't take that first step and if you don't try to run this race. There's going to be temptations along the way, but I want you to look at a promise we have from God here in 1 Corinthians 10.13. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, God gives a promise, and friends, God always keeps His promises. He says, For there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. You know, this promise from God should clear away all doubts and reservations we might have about starting the race but not being able to finish. You won't be running this race alone. Remember, you'll be running it with Christ. You'll be running it with brothers and sisters in Christ. How will you ever know if you can finish this race if you never step up and step out and try? I want to tell you another excuse that many people give for not starting the Christian race. They say there are too many hypocrites in the church. I don't want to go down there and associate with those people. There's too many hypocrites down there. Too many hypocrites in the church. You know what? They're right. They're right. One hypocrite in the church is too many. Just one. And I want to speak frankly to you tonight about hypocrites, okay? The hypocrite holds in his hand a one-way ticket straight to the lake of fire unless they repent. Unless they repent. That's where the hypocrites are going to spend eternity. Jesus gives a parable in Matthew 24. Parable of the two servants, right? Comes time for the master to hand down the verdict to the unjust servant. What was the verdict? In verse 51 he says, Cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a place hypocrites are going to go and spend all eternity. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Unless they repent. Unless they repent. But listen, friend. If you never start the Christian race for fear of a few hypocrites that you might run into, you're going to find yourself spending an unending eternity in the lake of fire with all the hypocrites this world has ever known. And you certainly don't want that. I certainly don't want that. Look at it this way. The church at Sardis had some bad apples in it. But they also had a few righteous who had not defiled their garments. And I want you to look at what Jesus told this first century church in Revelation 3 and 4. He says, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. This congregation had people in it that had defiled their garments. They had hypocrites in the church, people with bad sin problems. But I want you to know what Jesus said. There's a few there who had not defiled their garments. There was a righteous few who walked in white with Christ, and Jesus said, they are worthy. They are worthy. Listen, it is the righteous few who run this race and run it faithfully 
that make the race worth running. You forget what hypocrites are doing. They're going to their own place. You get in the race and you run right there alongside the righteous who are running it with, out of sincerity and out of truth. And forget the hypocrites. It's the righteous few in the race that make the race worth running. Now folks, giving excuses never won anybody a trophy. God's not interested in our excuses. He wants our love. He wants our faith. He wants our obedience to His teachings. He wants our obedience to His gospel. He wants us to run this race. And He's told us how to properly enter the race. He doesn't want our excuses. He wants our obedience. Now that we've talked about the proper way to enter the Christian race, let's move on and talk about the proper way to run the race. First runner I'd like for us to look at on the chart is the runner that you see in the lower center portion of the lower center portion of the chart immediately after the starting line and the little church building there on the chart the first runner you come to as you go around that racetrack is the faithful runner this runner on the chart is demonstrating for us the proper way to run the christian race and i want us to notice a few of his characteristics a faithful runner in this race is a focused runner we've got to run with focus Paul said in Philippians 3 and 13, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. That just means he hasn't laid hold on his reward yet, right? He said, But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul ran a very focused race, didn't he? You're never going to run a good race so long as you're always trying to look back over your shoulder maybe at sinful things you did in your past. Paul says, I don't run my race that way. He ran with his eyes fixed forward on the prize in front of him. Sometimes our past sins can be a hindrance to us. They can be a distraction. But we've got to remember, when we come to Christ in full faith and obedience to the gospel, those sins were taken away, washed away by the blood of Christ in baptism. And we've got to leave them there. Go out sometime and, and uh, try to run a straight line looking over your shoulder. Can you, could you do it? You're going to be weaving all over the place. You can't run a straight line looking over your shoulder. Forget the things that are in the past. Forget the things that Christ has forgiven and focus forward on that prize that lies ahead. Not only is a faithful runner in this race a focused runner, he's also a patient runner. Hebrews 12 and 1 where we started tonight. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The word patience here simply means endurance. And endurance is difficult, especially when we live in a society that craves instant gratification. We want what we want, and we want it when? We want it right now, don't we? That's the culture and the society that we live in. But you know, the Christian race, it spans months, years, decades, generations. It's the longest marathon you're ever going to run. It's not a 50-yard dash, folks. It's the longest marathon that you're ever going to run and we need patience, we need endurance to faithfully run this race in the proper manner. A faithful runner is also a disciplined runner. We've got to be disciplined. 
1 Corinthians 9.24, he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? There's only one gold medal they give out when they run that 100-meter sprint in the Olympics. There's only one prize. You've got to run hard to get it. Paul tells these Corinthians to run the Christian race uh, as if they were running to obtain that one gold medal. Run hard. Run with zeal. He says, but, he says so run that ye may obtain at the end of verse 24. Verse 25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. Earthly athletes compete in earthly races and competitions. To do what? To get earthly rewards. To get a, a trophy. To get a gold medal. But we run the Christian race, it says here, to get an incorruptible reward. An incorruptible crown. Verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. We've got to be, we've got to be disciplined. We've got to be temperate, which means exercise self-control. We cannot just give ourselves over to every lust that comes our way. We've got to be disciplined. We've got to exercise temperance in all things. Because you never know exactly when you're going to arrive at the finish line in this race, do you? You've got to run every day as if it was your very last leg of the race. Focused, patient, and disciplined. Those are some characteristics that describe the faithful runner. And those are some characteristics we need to emulate in our lives as we run the Christian race. Now as you run your race in a faithful and godly manner, I want you to know something. There are some discouraging things that you are going to notice along the way. First thing that you're going to notice is that many runners become deceived runners. They are running outside of Christ. And I'll direct your attention to the deceived runner on the chart. He's in the lower right-hand part of your chart there. You see that runner out there running outside the racetrack? That's the deceived runner. Many have been deceived into believing that simply being a good, moral, law-abiding citizen is enough to get them to heaven. So they run diligently. They do many wonderful works, many good works in the community, but guess what, friends? It's all in vain. Because look, they are running outside of Christ. They are running outside of Christ's body. You think you get to heaven on your own good works without Jesus? Not a chance. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Can't get there on your own. Run as hard as you want. If you're not running in Christ, you won't get the reward. Many have been deceived into running in the paths of man-made religion. Many have been deceived into joining man-made churches, which teach man-made doctrines, preach man-made gospels and plans of salvation. And that's sad, but it's true. A lot of people today fall in line with the Pharisees of Jesus' day. They were involved in man-made religion. Jesus spoke of uh, the, the Pharisees in Mark 7 and 7 when He says, Howbeit in vain do they worship Me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. They've taken the doctrines of God and said, No, we don't want those. We're going to teach the commandments of men instead. For laying aside the commandment of God, He said, You hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well reject ye the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. 
According to what Jesus teaches us here, all man-made religion is useless. It's in vain. It's unprofitable. It's not from God. There is no salvation in man-made religion. But I'm here to tell you tonight there's salvation in Christ. And there's salvation in His church, Christ's church. And, well, how, how do I find Christ's church? How do I know I'm a part of Christ's church? When you find a church that teaches the doctrines of Christ and follows the same doctrines and traditions that He delivered to His apostles that we read about in the New Testament, you can be sure that you are a part of Christ's church and that you are participating and you are a, a member of Christ's church, the church that He built, which follows His teachings and uh, follows the traditions and follows the commandments that He gave His apostles. That's how you know. You find a church doing that, you found Christ's church. The judgment day is going to be a sad day for all deceived runners. It will be. Jesus Himself says in, in Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in my name done many, many wonderful works. Listen, these are religious people. Religious people standing before God in judgment. And they're recounting all of their good works, all of their religious activities that they had been involved with. They called Him Lord. Lord, Lord, look what we've done for You. But it was all in vain, wasn't it? Because Jesus says to him in verse 23, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He was talking here to deceived runners who had ran in the paths of man-made religion all their life and got to the end, but it was too late. I certainly don't want to be found in that category of people on the Day of Judgment, and I know you don't want to be found in that group either. Many will run a good race at first, but eventually they will face tribulation or persecution, and they will come what I call offended runners, they will give up the race and jump off the racetrack. And you see that there on the center right-hand part of the chart, the offended runner. He says, it's too hard. I'm giving up the race. It's just like the seed that fell on stony ground in Jesus' parable of the sower, right? In Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, 20, Jesus said, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. This is talking about a person who hears the gospel and receives it and, and starts running the race. Yet he hath not rooted himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, it says by and by he is offended. Whether it's tribulation or persecution brought on by friends or family members, some people are going to become easily offended and they're going to give up the race at the first sign of conflict. We can't let that be us. We can't become offended runners. We can't give up. We can't be like the seed that fell in stony places. We can't run real hard for a while and then come into a problem and say, well, I just quit. We can't allow ourselves to become offended runners. 
Many people run a good race at first, but in the process of time, they face the snares and the temptations that Satan puts in their pathway, and they fall back in love with the world and all of its lusts, and they become what I call the carnal runner. And you see the carnal runner there in the upper right-hand corner of the chart. You know, something we've got to be aware of as we run this race is that the devil is ever-present with us, taunting us and tempting us as we run this race. And he sets snares in our pathway, and he's very good at what he does. We've got to be aware of him. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says we need to be sober, be vigilant, which means to be ever-watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, Walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil's out there and he's real and he's good at, what he, good at what he does. He's good at presenting a situation or a temptation to a person to get them distracted and to get, it to get them to jump off the racetrack and go back and follow the pollutions of the world. And we, again, we can't allow ourselves to become that type of runner. Some runners are going to fall for the devil's traps every time. They're going to fall back in love with the world and all of its sinful pleasures. The Bible describes the ultimate fate of those who make that decision in 2 Peter 2 verses 20 to 22. Listen to what it says. It's talking specifically here about a group of false teachers. Listen to what it says about them. It says, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, after they've been saved from their sins, if you will, he says, if they are again entangled therein and overcome, entangled and overcome by what? The pollutions of the world. If they go back and get entangled and overcome by sin, what does Peter say here? The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. What does that mean? He goes on to explain, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. It would have been better for them to have never been saved to have never started following Christ, than after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. He says, but it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. The Bible uses some very graphic illustrations of how Disgusting it is in the eyes of God when a Christian turns their back on Christ and goes back into the world of sin. And we all know friends and family members who have fallen victim to this very thing, and it's very sad. Because the Bible says the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. We can't allow ourselves to become a carnal runner. We've got to be sober, be vigilant, be mindful of Satan that he's always there tempting us. We've got to stay close to God. The Bible says draw near unto God, he'll draw near unto you. It says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And that's what we've got to do lest we become carnal runners like you see on, on the chart. Some runners run a very hypocritical race. You see that at the upper center part of the racetrack there? Some runners run a very hypocritical race. These are runners here, the hypocritical runner who has not laid aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And so the hypocritical runner tends to meander along with the, uh, the edge of the racetrack there, sort of weaving in and out of sinful practices. 
You know, they, they get over here involved in this sinful thing and then, you know, they're coming back to church and doing okay. Well, then they're back in sin and then they're back in the church and they just run a race just very typical of that. Running the race of a hypocrite, just kind of in and out, one foot in the world and, and one foot in the church. And that kind of a race will not do. That, that kind of a race is not acceptable to the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 and 19, we can't fool the Lord. You know, hypocritical runners get pretty good at fooling people. They think as long as they are, you know, spending a little bit of time close to the Lord, a little bit of time involved in His church, that they can convince people and fool people that they are running a faithful race. Let me tell you something. You can fool me. You can fool these elders. You can fool your family. You can't fool the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. Listen. The Lord knoweth them that are His. The Lord knows those who are truly His and living for Him. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I've already talked to you about the ultimate fate of the hypocrite. If they don't repent, they won't win the heavenly prize. They won't achieve the heavenly reward. We can't allow ourselves to become hypocritical runners in this race. The last type of runner I want, you, I want to talk to you about is in the upper left-hand part of your chart. And that's what I call here the out-of-duty runner. This is a runner that is prone to taking extended vacations away from Christ and away from His church. And you know, they start by forsaking the assembly a little bit here, a little bit there, and then pretty soon they drop out altogether and you're thinking, man, I haven't seen brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and hadn't seen him in months. And when you go to them and as you're trying to run a faithful race, you know, you pass by them and you call out to them. You say, brother, sister, come back into the race. They say, oh, I will soon. I'm just resting. I'm just taking a break. I'm just, I'm just taking a vacation away from Christ and His church. Friends, is that the, the right attitude for us to have about this race? We just, I'm tired, I'll take a break. Sit over here on the sidelines. There is a race to run. There is a prize to win. We don't have time for extended vacations away from Christ and His church. There's no time for that. The Lord is coming back. Do, do, do you want Him to find you? Sitting on the sidelines, taking a break? No. See, we can't allow ourselves to become out-of-duty runners. And I know, I know. There's things going on in the world that it, it becomes very easy for us to get distracted. Right? I've got four kids, okay? There's a lot that goes on in the world, and if we don't have our priorities in the right order, it becomes very easy to get distracted and become one of these out-of-duty runners. We can't allow ourselves, though, to become that. We need to have our priorities in the right order, and the priority for us needs to be attending all the assemblies of the church. Hebrews 10.25 says this. It says we ought not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. It says don't forsake, don't turn your back on these special times when we come together and assemble with the saints. 
Because we come here for a purpose, a special purpose. What is it? For exhorting one another, as the Scripture says. We come here not only to receive exhortation, to receive encouragement, we come here to give encouragement, right? Your presence here this week encourages me. It encourages me. It builds me up. So you see, it's not just about coming and getting encouraged. It's about coming and putting your hand around and and hugging a brother and sister in Christ. That's what this is all about. That's what these special times are all about. Of course, we're here to worship God, but we're also here to encourage one another. And when we forsake the assemblies and become out-of-duty runners, we miss out on all of that encouragement. I need all that encouragement I can get. I truly do. We've talked about the proper way to enter the race. We've talked about the proper way to run the race. I'm going to close tonight by talking about the proper way to finish the Christian race. Death is the end of the Christian race. And I know we don't like to think about or talk about death. But friends, death is the end of this race. And it's not enough just to fall over dead someday and say, I finished the race. You've got to finish the race in proper form. And finishing this race in proper form means you run faithful until the end. Faithful unto death. Revelation 2.10. Jesus speaks to first century Christians. And He says at the end of Revelation 2.10, He tells them, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. You know, the type of death that Jesus envisioned here, if you read everything else He wrote to this congregation... It was death by persecution. These first century Christians were being persecuted to the point of death. And you know what Jesus says? He says, even if it means being put to death because of persecution, you run faithful unto the end and I'll give you the crown of life. Jesus expects us to do the same thing. Whether death takes us in the form of of cancer or death takes us in the form of a heart attack or death takes us in the form of an accident, whatever it might be, Jesus wants us to run faithful to the end. And when we do, He'll give us the crown of life like the Bible teaches here. After death comes the judgment. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto men wants to die. But after this, the judgment 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. See, we're all going to stand before God someday. And we'll all be judged. All faithful runners will receive the crown of life. That's what I want and that's what you want. All faithful runners who have properly entered this race and and run a faithful race, faithful to the end, will receive the crown of life. That's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and 6. 2 Timothy 4, uh, 2 Timothy, the epistle itself, was probably the last epistle that Paul penned before he was executed uh, by Caesar in Rome. So Paul probably wrote this in the last few months of his life. He had come to the end and, and he knew it. Look at what he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.6. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. You know what the word course means? It means race. If you're reading in the New King James Version, that's what the translation is. I have finished my race. 
Paul says, I finished my course. I finished my race. He says, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them also that love His appearing. Here's the best thing about the Christian race. There is a crown for every single one of us if we want it. It's not like the Olympics. You've got gold, silver, and bronze and everybody else just out of luck. There's a reward. There's a crown for every single one of us. Every one of us can be winners in this race if we'll obey the Lord and live faithful to Him. We can all receive the crown of life. I want to tell you, Though we strive to obtain that crown of life, all the excuse makers, all the deceived runners, all the offended runners and carnal runners and all the hypocritical runners and all the out-of-duty runners, if they die or the Lord comes back and finds them in that condition, they're not going to get the crown of life. But instead, they're going to inherit eternal torment in the lake of fire. And I, I take no pleasure or glory in speaking to you tonight about the lake of fire. I hate the thought of it. Just because I hate the thought of it doesn't mean it's not real. Hell is real. And many people are going to go there. You don't have to be one of them. The Bible talks about this place in Revelation 21 verse 7. Jesus, or the Bible says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's where we're going, folks, if we don't enter this race and if we don't run it faithfully. We'll spend eternity in a terrible, terrible place described right there in Revelation 21. Tonight I ask you to please open your heart and open your mind to the things that we've seen from God's Word. And I beg you to examine yourself. Examine your own life in light of the Scriptures that we've studied tonight. If you would, in the last few moments of this lesson, please, look at this chart. Look at this chart in front of you. And ask yourself the question, where am I on this racetrack? Where are you tonight? Maybe you're here tonight and you've never entered the Christian race. You've never believed the gospel. You've never repented of your sins, never confessed Christ, or never received water baptism. If you're here tonight, obey the gospel and start the race in the same manner that we've studied from the Scriptures tonight, obey the Lord in baptism. Become a Christian. Start running this race. Maybe you're over here giving some of these excuses. If that's the case, put the excuses aside and put Jesus in that place and obey Him tonight and start the race so you can get the prize. Maybe you obeyed the gospel and baptism many years ago and started running the race, but then you, you became offended. You jumped off the racetrack. You thought it was too hard. You just give up. Get back in the race tonight. Maybe you became a carnal runner, fell in love with the world, went back to live a sinful lifestyle. 
get back in the race tonight. Maybe you've been running a hypocritical race and maybe no one in this congregation knows about it, but you know about it and the Lord knows about it. Get back in the race tonight and stay in the race. Stop meandering along the edge of the racetrack in and out of sinful practices. Maybe you're here tonight and you're an out-of-duty runner. You've been on an extended vacation away from Christ and His beloved body, the church. Get back in the race tonight. Whatever condition you're in, if you're not running this race faithful in Christ, start doing so tonight. Where are you on this racetrack and what are you going to do with the Scriptures that have been presented to you tonight. I pray you will respond in obedience to the teachings of God's Word, and I pray you will do whatever it takes tonight to get right with God and to start running this race faithfully. If you're here tonight and you desire to obey the gospel in baptism, or you've strayed away from the Lord and you need our prayers, we want to help you. Let us help you. All you have to do is stand up and step out and walk down these aisles and have a seat on the front, and we will help you. We will help you while we stand and while we sing a song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons, subscribe to our iTunes podcast and check our website at www.almachurchofchrist.com and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.